Okay, and welcome to the Mariner with me, Chris Stanmore Major. This week we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to get away from talking about the Velux race. I'm going to be talking about yelling, shouting, screaming, all the traditional methods of communication on a sailboat, and the pros, the very large cons, and where our culture is going with this strange anachronism of modern sailing. Well, I just want to say hi to all the podcast listeners as the YouTube theme music is playing here. And I just want to say uh, your ears do not deceive you. As you listen to this podcast, you're going to hear a lot of crazy noises going on behind. Um, due to COVID-19, I'm self-isolating at my home here in Nova Scotia. And that means that my recording studio is now a 200-year-old barn opposite my house. And during this recording, there was a 50-knot storm going on. So <laughs> enjoy. I think it's going to add a lot of ambience to the thing. It's like being back on the boat. Cheers. Okay, the first thing we need to talk about is why do we shout? A lot of people have a stress reaction where they start to get into near uncontrollable yelling. We've all known somebody like that. I have to unfortunately admit that I have been known to do it. I have been one of those people. I've been the guy shouting and screaming. I would defend myself by saying that um, when you're under a lot of stress, it seems to be something that comes quickly. It comes in the heat of what's happening. There's the feeling that if you raise your voice, if you communicate more directly, more verbosely, that somehow you're going to improve the situation. I have to say that it's something which I feel I have left behind. And although I'm still trying to work through that in all aspects of my life, um, I know for a fact from everything I've studied, from everything I know, that shouting and screaming is something I have to cut out of my life. So this is not just me talking about what I see other people doing, and it's certainly not me saying, uh, do as I say, not as I do. This is a, a discussion. This is a backwards and forwards of what's your experience with this? What's your method of dealing with people that shout and dealing with yourself when you start to shout? Okay, the first thing though, why do we shout? Why do we get that massive, upwelling kind of feeling that uh, shouting is what has to happen next. This is a pretty well understood area of, of psychology and actually physiology. It's chemical releases, it's things which are actually tangibly understandable about the human being and the human being's way of going through life. We come from much more basic stock obviously, animals which had lives built on instinct and fear and uh, the need to, to keep themselves preserved on a day-to-day -day basis. So our limbic system, of which our amygdala is part, is very much pre-wired into anything which um, aids our survival. And shouting has a lot of very useful elements which would help you in a survival situation. We've all heard of fight or flight. Shouting is part of that, both the action of shouting and the effect that shouting creates in those that hear it. Because otherwise, you know, it is communication. If you didn't do it, maybe the rest of your tribe or your flock or your herd or whatever it is, if you didn't give that squawk of alarm, they all get eaten by the predator. We obviously come from mammalian stock, which are able to give quite uh, intelligent communication uh, um, cues to each other 
you look even at things like meerkats, they can give a warning which is for something that's coming from above. They can give another one which is for something which is coming like four-legged and through the bush. And they can give one which indicates snakes coming low and kind of on the ground. So they're able to communicate by, I guess, their version of shouting, uh, something which is survival-based and the intelligence of their uh, communication is such that they can distinguish between those three different types of predators. Now we obviously as humans have come a long way from that. We're into group dynamics and there has been definitely even into quite recent culture a feeling that shouting is a way of promoting uh, your power, your control, your um, authority in the situation and it's obviously highly tagged with the fact of like male dominance and male shouting because uh, the physicality of male lungs is they're able to shout perhaps louder and that means that uh, suddenly what well, we're dominant because we can raise our voices more so it has uh, a communication element which is very useful which is survival so the need in a stress situation to shout comes naturally and it comes for a very clear reason inside the body things are happening which also means that shouting can be quite useful. There was an article in the Journal of Sport and Health Science in 2016 where researchers looked at a group of semi-trained, not pro athletes but semi-trained relatively fit people. They put them onto a cycling endurance uh, setup and then started to look at their own shouting and how it affected their own physiology. So just to be clear the participants in the experiments were shouting for themselves they weren't listening to things, they were doing it for themselves and what effect that had on that physiology. And the researchers are looking at the fact that many people in stressful um, physical situations where they need to keep going, we all know that kind of, come on boys, come on, that kind of thing of trying to develop uh, energy and trying to refocus your efforts, that can be aided, so went the theory, by shouting. So when they looked at these people engaged in um, this cycle test, endurance test, they started to see what is it that shouting is doing. So they used integrated electromyography to study the hearts of the participants in the experiment. They measured the VO2 max, how much air they were able to uh, put across their membranes of their lungs and into their blood, how much oxygen take up there was from the lungs into the blood. And they studied the, uh, the activity of the quadriceps of the people engaged in the cycling test and what they discovered is that those that were shouting were creating a physiological change inside their own bodies which was improving the efficiency of what was going on in their legs it was improving their CO2 um, uh, exclusion efficiency so the ability of the body to rid itself of CO2 and they're improving both their O2 pulse how much oxygen they take up at normal rest it and how much they were able to transpose across their cell membranes uh, when they were breathing hard when they're working hard their VO2 max so an increase in the blood oxygenation performance and an increase of the efficiency of the muscles due to shouting now I suppose the physicality of opening and closing your lungs but again there's chemicals that are being released in our very simple brains where we are getting ready for fight or flight we are getting ready for danger shouting is a danger signal which has been part of our cultural memory for millions of years so it should not be any surprise that uh, come a stressful situation come a difficult task there is an instinct on the behalf of some people, maybe more than others, 
to engage in shouting and yelling and communicating, trying to make things happen faster, trying to make things better. My question is, is that really helpful and is it actually creating the effect that we want it to create? Okay, so as we look at this issue, what we have to think about is where is shouting used effectively? And one thing when you get into this discussion is always people say, well, they shout in the military or people that have military experience remember that from the military. I think we need to just clarify what's going on there. If you're a raw recruit, if you're a new guy, new girl that's going into a military basic training establishment, shouting is part of what happens in the first couple of weeks of being there and it has a very specific use which is being employed by the instructors who are trying to create particular training effects. That is that you have a lot of, let's be honest, slightly clueless young people who are going into something having signed it off and gone off and getting very excited about what kind of hat they're going to have and little badges and things suddenly need to be uh, awakened to the very real situation they're into. So it's to shock them into understanding what's going on. It's also to create, and I talked to a couple of friends who are in the military and they're very specific about this, it's designed to create an environment of fear and pressure which starts to build emotional tenacity in the recruits because let's face it, soldiers are going to be deployed into some of the harshest environments in the world, some of the most emotionally stressing environments in the world and they need to have an ability to handle that. They need to have experience of handling that and they may not have through their lives through normal generic education in the modern world, they may never have been in that kind of thing where people are shouting and screaming and all sorts of things are going on around them and they need to get used to that. But if you go into classrooms later on when they're trying to learn complex um, mental functions, complex um, muscle interaction functions like stripping a weapon, putting it back together again, no one's shouting there. No one's shouting because they're intelligent enough in the military to understand by now and by a long time, 20 or 30 years, that shouting in that kind of environment is not useful. Now, why is it not useful? It's not useful because inside our brains, as we take in that uh, high volume shouting angry signal, we are immediately having to process what's going on. The thing about the meerkats, they hear that one of those three things, it's coming from the sky, it's coming through the bush, it's something low down, and they have to process it. They have to make very quickly a decision about what it is that's going on and where the danger's coming from. So processing times after shouting and yelling have been conclusively proven to be slower. Muscle reactions are slower when someone starts yelling at you. So if you're yelling down a boat at people and you think that that's somehow that's going to help folks, it's not. It's not going to at a psychological level and it's not going to happen at a physiological level. What shouting and yelling does is it puts people into a state of muscular tension and anxiety where their body's chemistry and their psychology is getting ready for that fight or flight moment. So if they're engaged actually in some complex problem-solving situation or some task that involves uh, muscular dexterity, it's not going to happen when you have chosen to put them into an emotional state of mind by screaming and shouting at them. 
In terms of the dynamic of what's going on on board the boat, the other thing you need to be aware of is that if shouting starts to break out, let's say it's the skipper, not to particularly focus in on skippers that shout, because it can be all kinds of members of crew that shout. It can be four decks shouting back down the boat. It can be somebody in the pit who decides to take over and uh, start shouting at everybody. But if, let's say the skipper, just to keep things simple, the skipper starts shouting, the skipper then, inside the brains of the crew, is identified as a threat. And if that's exactly where you want to be at, if that's your Machiavellian perception of what's the best way to run a crew, um, I don't think you understand very much about team building and creating communication and fostering good relationships between a group of people. In the boat, it's such a small environment, that flip of the switch moment where somebody can start shouting creates a massive emotional response from those on board the boat that they are not used to. Remember, we talked about the fact that military recruits have to be conditioned by their instructors to get used to this kind of thing. But I don't think that most people, unless they have a very unfortunate home situation or unfortunate work situation, are regularly being yelled at and regularly being brought to this, this heightened sense of fight or flight. If you're in the military for years and years and years, this is going to be like waters off a duck's back. Because the other aspect in the military that shouting is used for is for communication. If you're in a tank, if you're uh, an infantryman near the front lines, if you're uh, a signaller having to organize artillery, if you're actually in the artillery section, you've got those massive explosions going on around you, gunfire, machinery, communication is your absolute basic staple of making things happen. And therefore, your own ability to deal with those louder sounds and the psychological and physiological reactions they create in the body has been somewhat neutralized and somewhat numbed by prolonged exposure. But for most people who are coming onto a boat, that doesn't exist. And the screaming, shouting captains of old, which is kind of, you know, far too many Sunday matinee uh, pirate films when we were young, um, those captains, again, would be functioning in an environment where people would be very used to it going on and on and on because they're there, watch on, watch off most of their adult lives as professional sailors. The world that we live in now is people coming onto the boats, engaged in an evening sail, in a weekend race, in a, an event like we do down in the Caribbean or something. And for them to suddenly be in this environment where this, this uh, limbic system reaction, this physiological reaction is going on around them, it is going to create a less effective group. It's going to create a more anxious group. It's going to create a group which are more prone to accidents, more prone to fumbling things, uh, have less of an ability to problem solve, and they are going to overlay everything that happens with this emotional memory of this threat from the skipper. So, we've looked at why we do what we do, why we shout, why it comes to us so quickly. We've looked at where it could be useful and how it could be useful. We've looked at the effect it has on the crew. Let's have a look at the effect it has on the person shouting because that's the other thing in this which is very interesting. I looked at some research by uh, Dr. Edward Suarez of uh, Duke University and they were looking at C-reactive proteins which are exhibited in the blood of people that regularly engage in shouting and high stress forms of communication and have that uh, stressful, anxious, anxiety-laden 
method of interacting with people. What's interesting about these proteins is that they cause inflammation primarily in arteries and that means that the walls of the arteries end up becoming roughened and become a lot more susceptible to developing plaque and plaque of course pretty much just like the plaque on your teeth it starts to harden and line the inside of your arteries and then some kind of motion movement some kind of exercise some just event inside the artery releases plaque from the sidewall that goes into your heart and it blocks the heart or it goes into a, a junction in your in your arteries blocks the artery and that's a heart attack and suddenly the idea of that screaming shouting person that we all know of like yeah mate calm down you're gonna have a heart attack well that's exactly right because their blood pressure is up they're hypertensive anyway they have this inflammatory protein which is being put into their body by their amygdala being stimulated from how they're choosing to interact with the world and they are therefore putting themselves, you are putting yourself at more risk if you're that stressful, anxiety-ridden person. So it's bad for the person that's shouting. It's bad for the group that are being shouted at unless it's a survival instinct thing, unless it's literally a meerkat thing. And it's bad in terms of getting complex problem-solving activities done. It's bad in terms of creating a, a cohesive group of people. So where is it useful? It's useful in communication, in loud environments, and it's useful in times of danger or perceived danger. And that is where shouting needs to end up in sailing. Sailing is a sport which is, it's complicated enough already. <laughs> There's enough going on that we don't need people shouting and screaming. Okay, well I hope you've got something useful out of that now about the general aspects of shouting. If you have learned something, if this is taking you forward in your knowledge on this subject, please consider liking and subscribing, it really helps out. Um, we are all in a high stress situation these days. The amount of information that we're getting, the way that work is, the way that our lives are, I think we all carry a background level of stress and it is understandable that these sorts of things start to come up. But let's have a think about what's happening when that's going on and the other aspects of shouting and what comes with it. Shouting and yelling is a communication which is part of a constellation of linguistic um, elements which add up to a very negative experience for the person who's being shouted at. It's not just about the volume of the voice, it's about the words that are used, it's about the tone of voice that's used, it's about angry and described in air quotes uh, dead eyes when someone's really going at somebody, it's the length of time that someone's going at. These things added up as a communication style are what I'm talking about when I'm talking about yelling and shouting and screaming on a boat. It's not just someone's yelling with a loud voice. It's that nastiness, that angriness that comes out, which is so poisonous. I've got a little quote here from uh, Mark Twain. Um, he said, uh, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Now, obviously, he was talking about the vessel being the person, like, Anger is an acid which burns inside you and damages you. But I think his word as sailors, his choice of the word vessel kind of comes to us. It can do more damage to the vessel 
than anything it's poured on. Like, think about it. Somebody is yelling at somebody. The person themselves is, is kind of hurting from that. The person that's shouting is damaging themselves physiologically, but the vessel, the vessel becomes a very small scrap of carbon or wood or metal or whatever it is in the middle of the ocean on which this threat exists of this person that might just flip the switch at any moment and might become this devastating psychological issue for the rest of the crew. We have to consider that the world is changing now and that the perception of shouting as being indicative of strength and authority and um, that you're in charge, that is fading and people now are starting to react to each other in different ways. We've had obviously the Me Too campaign which has changed a lot of people's ideas about how they communicate. There is something else going on now which is younger people do not have the same reaction to those that shout at them. Shouting is received with a kind of confusion and embarrassment and a kind of pity for the person that's shouting. They can't control their emotions. There is no place for it. It's not getting the effect that you want it to get. So the question is, how do we move forward on an individual level and stop shouting? How do we move forward on a boat which has got people that shout? And if we can come together as a cohesive group on board a boat with both those that own it, those that run it, those that work there, those that race on it regularly, those that live on it, how do we come together and get rid of shouting on boats? So moving forward, how do we start to get over this habit, this culturally accepted thing that shouting on boats is part of the sport? I have to say before I go into this, this is something we have to do. Sailing is very negatively viewed for a number of reasons, particularly that those that engage in it are somehow supremely affluent, that uh, the, the yacht clubs are just old boys institutes and full of stuffed shirts. Um, and then the thing that when you do go and kind of investigate, get involved, go and do a bit of sailing, to be exposed to somebody who is supposedly the responsible person and the caregiver who is then shouting and screaming in a way which would be totally unacceptable in any other form of uh, human uh, community, um, that is massively damaging. So if we want to move sailing forward uh, at an individual level, we need to know that this thing has to stop. So for those who are shouting, as I was a shouter, we need to recognize that we're under huge amounts of stress. That stress may be external to the sailing, that may be in your private life, that may be in your professional life, that may be some traffic alteration on the way down to the yacht club, but whatever it is, there's stress there. I think that that accounts for some part of it. I think what actually accounts for most of it is that most people are slightly outside of their zone of comfort. And I would say that for those who are being shouted at, you need to recognize that most likely somebody is is where they should not be. They are in a position of authority they should not be in. They're in a position of responsibility they should not be in. They physically don't have the processing power and the emotional capacity to deal with the situation that they're in. So for those who are the shouters, and I would say this, look at my own experience. The first time I took a boat around the world, I had 20 crew on board. I was 
30 years old, most of the crew were way older than me, there was only one professional on board, which was me, I had 50,000 miles experience or something, but most of it, in fact all of it as the, as the mate, apart from smaller expeditions, you know, I was under pressure, the boat was new to me, the whole situation was new to me, and the shouting that I did then certainly was due to, now I realize, stress and pressure. So if you are finding that your stomach is doing that, you need to look around in your life and you need to work out what is going on that is giving you this fight or flight, this survival instinct, that it's making it boil to the surface uncontrollably, unexpectedly, unpredictably, and to the, to the great negativity of how you're perceived by other people on the boat. You need to recognize that these other people are not yours to sort of command as though you know, you're watching Master and Commander with, uh, with Russell Crowe there. That this situation is one where basically, you know, imagine you're going doing golf or you're going to go and do tennis or you're going to go and do anything like it. Squash is a very physical, very visceral sport. But if people started shouting each other on the, on the golf course or on the tennis uh, uh, court, in the way that people start shouting each other on boats, that would be the end of it. We need to look at it from a crew's perspective. For the crew, like, if one person is singled out and is shouted at, you know, once you're past the danger situation, the crew together need to come to that person that's the shouter, that person who's the aggressive communicator, and as a whole, they need to say, hey, we're not doing this anymore. And from a point of view of someone who's um, been on boats that race out of yacht clubs, I tell you right now, getting a crew that will sail regularly and actually allow you to be vaguely uh, competitive is very, very difficult. So if an entire crew comes to you and says, we are not racing with you anymore if you continue acting like this, it may cause a change in uh, that owner or that captain's uh, methods because whilst they're allowed to do it, it's basically the same rules as bullying. Bullying often happens away from uh, the group situation where someone can be uh, individually uh, preyed upon and made to feel bad about themselves, put down, shouted at, uh, you know, violence acted against them, but it's always done somewhat away from a larger group. Well, a boat obviously is four or six or eight or ten people, whatever it is, but it's still a small group and they're still separated from the larger populace. I'm not sure that those same captains are screaming and shouting on the dock or in the yacht club or at some social event to do with the club. They are keeping that under wraps then. So I think that the crew coming together is something that can really happen without uh, you know, too much organization. You all know what the problem is if you've got someone like that. You can see where the danger is. The danger also, I think well, we've kind of gone through the physicalities of it, but the danger is that just that, that frees up like uh, deer in the headlights moment. That's my experience. That is the thing you don't want to have happen. And I would say this, you know, you can, as an individual, recognize that you're a shouter. You can be on a boat and recognize that you've got a captain that's a shouter you need to deal with. But from a safety point of view, there is only one way that someone should be shouting on a boat. It's if there's immediate danger. In terms of communication from those on the bow who have got their own separate uh, four-deck workers union, of course, um, if you turn and talk like this to somebody away from the microphone away from the person that you're trying to speak to there is a change in the volume of your voice and if you do that into the wind or around the back of a jib no one can hear you so don't come angrily back down the deck saying what well, you can't hear me it needs to be that 
and we understand that there are physical limitations on how far we can shout, if we're looking the wrong way, if the wind's there, something like that. It doesn't have to turn into an aggressive thing. And another thing on tone of voice, like if you're on the foredeck and you're shouting back for people to release the sheets, you know, to, to pull them forward for some swinging the gear around the front of the forestay, whatever it is, you can shout to people and say, hey, you know, the sheets are underneath you, bum, cleats, whatever it is you shout on your boat, but it doesn't have to be kind of like some super angry thing where you've got adults shouting at adults in the way that old-fashioned adults used to shout at old-fashioned kids. That's not going to work. And all it's going to do is it's in the crew's mind, you become the threat. You become the problem. You're trying to fix the problem with your volume and with what you're saying, but you become the problem. And I think we need to be very careful with that. So for those who are shouters, you need to recognize it's internal to you. You need to recognize the stresses with you. It may be external to the boat, but much, much, much more likely in my experience, you are out of your depth in what you are doing if you have to resort to shouting. We need to recognize that it's no longer socially acceptable to do this and that it is a form of bullying and that that form of bullying has very serious ramifications both internally for the person that's shouting and in terms of the operation of the vessel it may have effects which means that people can't process as fast they can't react quickly because that limbic system reaction is hardwired into them and they cannot do anything but do the deer in the headlights in our communication with each other we need to make sure that the tone of voice the you don't need to insult people, you don't need to shout at people, you need to know their name. You need to keep shouting for safety and to, to save people from something which is greater than the, the problem of uh, you shouting. You need to use it for what it's meant for, which is danger. Here comes something, watch out. A last one which I'll say is people say, well then, if I don't shout, they don't do anything. Here's my response. And this is after hundreds of thousands of miles sailing always as skipper, always as um, lots of crew, always with mostly amateur crews on board, with a couple of skilled people, but always sail training, never ever running like fully wicked up professional boats where everyone knows what's going on and having a problem using this method. This is what you do. You just keep saying the thing that needs to happen in a calm, it may be loud, but a calm, loud, voice with the person's name looking directly at them and if necessary pointing at the thing that needs to happen. You just keep saying it. You have to release the winch. You have to release the winch. Charlie, you have to release the winch. Charlie, look at my hand. You have to release the winch. Okay? That will get it done. I've done this across language barriers. I've done this in the dark of the night in terrible situations. I've done it in every situation you can think up. You just have to keep repeating it so you don't allow someone to go into that limbic reaction and start freaking out. That they just, they have the space and they have the moment to process, to catch on to what you're saying, to get the idea of what's going on, to focus in on that item and then to go for it and to not feel emotionally impinged upon and not feel you know, damaged by the interaction they've had with you and that you then become the threat. Because next time there's an issue, it's a bit like the boy that cried wolf. If you're forever shouting and you're forever telling everybody what's going on around them and how they need to do everything and you know, yelling and shouting and screaming to do it, the one day when it actually comes, and you actually have to use everything you've got to save your own life, to save somebody else's life, to save them from serious injury, they're not listening.
And if you had kids that you've yelled at, kids that you shouted at, that damage that occurs to people, that damage, that, that hardening off, that numbness that comes over a while of not taking it in anymore, of, of letting it wash off you. Exactly what happens to young recruits when they're at, uh, at training, that kind of just glades look. That's what you're creating people, and at that moment when you really need to save them, you really need to save yourself, they won't be listening. They won't be listening, man. They will be in that same zone that you chose to put them in, which is they just exist there as much as they can until the boat stops and they get off and say, thank God that's over. What we have in sailing is a fantastic group of people who are enthused and energetic and excited to be on boats and they put up with a lot of crap being shouted at and yelled at and put down all the rest of it because their passion drives them to keep going through that and as a sort of social acceptance of that's how it's going to be. I say no, I say stop it, I say for every scientific reason there is, for every uh, group build reason there is, for every uh, safety reason there is, we have to stop doing it. So I finish up with um, a couple of uh, little notes. Uh, my friend uh, John Schaefer has a boat called uh, Velocity, I believe it is in Annapolis, and uh, they wrote up between them uh, crew rules. John is ex-military, I'm sure he's been shouted at enough, I'm sure he's done enough shouting, but he's also smart enough to realize that in terms of building a cohesive team, it's more important that people enjoy being there and keep coming back and keep coming back. Remember, it's not shouting at someone that builds their skills, it's repetitive you know, experience and exposure which gets people to um, step forward with their skill set. So coming back to the boat and training again and learning again and being exposed to it again, that's actually where you build skills. So he says on the end of their uh, crew rules, uh, they say on velocity we would rather lose a race and build the crew as opposed to winning and having people step ashore and say they will never race on that boat again. That seems pretty logical to me. And I don't think that that means it's a, not a competitive boat. I'm sure John is not gonna step forward and say we're the most competitive boat there is, but I think that you can have this attitude on very competitive boats and shouting and screaming and all that stuff does not identify a pro boat. You, the same thing happens with when young people are learning to drive uh, speed boats. If they haven't been taught properly, they come screeching into the dock at high speed, yank back on the stick, maximum froth from the engine, and stop it there because they have a perception that that is what identifies good boat driving, pro boat driving. The same thing happens on boats where people think that all of this negative interaction is what identifies pro boats. I tell you right now, the people that are sailing hard, pro, fast boats who are getting paid, they're not putting up with that kind of crap from someone who's losing it. Shouting for communication, shouting for danger, shouting for enthusiasm and get people going, that's a different thing. But shouting to be nasty, shouting out of control, shouting to the point where you're engaging that limbic reaction, they're getting paid a lot of money, they're not gonna put up with that, think about it. John's notes finish up. The days of putting up with a tyrant just to be on a racing boat should no longer exist and I absolutely agree with that. Okay, well I hope this has been useful for you. I would love to hear your experiences of shouting and skippers that scream. I know there's been situations where shouting and screaming have saved lives. I know that 
uh, when we're training, when we're doing things that you're physically demanding, shouting is part of it. Where are you at in this? What do you think is the thing that it brings to your life? How does it negatively affect you? Put it in the comments below on YouTube, or if you're listening on the podcast, write to me at csmthemariner at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I've got lots of different people writing to me now and leaving comments and giving me ideas for this. I would like to present whatever it is that uh, picks you up and gets you excited about sailing and answers questions you need answering. We've had some very interesting things so far. The puzzle of what I was doing going around the world that just kept me, kept me, kept me confused all the way around the world from uh, Pat last week. This one from John about shouting. Again, I thought it was gonna always be questions about how do you tie this knot or how do you do this maneuver and it's not that at all. People wanna hear totally different things. So write down whatever it is you got to say and uh, let's hear from you and let's uh, keep this going and keep the conversation going and enjoy our sailing. Wherever you are, I hope you're safe. I hope that uh, this uh, COVID-19 and self-isolation is something that you're finding a silver lining from. It will come to an end if we're all smart, if we stay separate from each other and just give this time to die off, dig into the facts, learn as much as you can, find out the science behind both what's happening with the disease, what's happening with self-isolation and what's happening with the numbers that you're reading. Don't allow yourself to freak out too much, just stay smart keep problem solving and soon we'll be back on the water and enjoying ourselves and uh, I will keep producing these as long as you want me to and, uh, and keep communicating my great passion for sailing in all its different forms. Hope you have a great time wherever you're doing this week. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Well, I hope that wasn't too bad. You weren't too freaked out by the, uh, the, the doors coming in on the barn during that recording. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that, and uh, if you're not aware of it, these also go out on YouTube, so you can see my lovely smiling face and see what all of the commotion was in the barn. And if you haven't already, go and have a look at the Spartan Ocean Racing website. Uh, we've got new online training coming, which might be good for some of you stuck at home, unable to go sailing at the moment. And then, of course, as always, there's the upcoming events, your opportunity to get on the water on a 60-foot race boat. Cheers.